Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I'm going to give a very warm welcome to Gary J. Nix. Gary is the founder of The Brand Artist, and he's an award-winning brand forward strategist who earned his stripes as a disruptor, an innovator, and a predictor in the entertainment, magazine, publishing, and advertising industries. Known for merging traditional marketing principles with modern marketing techniques in order to create, build, and evolve compelling brands, his distinct point of view in the space has positioned him as a frequently sought-after source in ad week, the drum, and entrepreneur. He is also an adjunct professor and guest lecturer, as well as a subject matter expert on ethics, culture, and community, as a business necessity. Today, we're going to talk about the essential frameworks needed to build a better brand for today's consumer. We'll learn what's worked from Gary's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some just miss the mark. Gary, welcome. Thank you so much, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to have you. I would love to chat first and have you fill in our listeners on what got you to where you are today. What brought you here? How did you become the brand artist? Uh, sure. Well, um, it all started as a, at a very young age when I just fell in love with the New York Yankees logo. Um, that's part of the reason why I have the hat on right now. Um, Hello. Yes. Um, but I didn't quite know what any of that was. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were a lot of things that I found interesting in the branding and marketing arena as I uh, grew older. Um, once again, even before I knew what it was, right. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I started DJing and I, uh, soon figured out that that was just a form of promoting music. So once again, I'm marketing and not even realizing it. Um, so I went to college thinking that I was going to be a computer engineer. That did not happen. Um, but once I realized that that was not going to happen, I started to wonder, okay, is there something that I actually enjoy doing that I can now go to school for? And that's what I learned what marketing was and what it was about. So that was my official foray into the marketing industry. Um, my path was not a common one. It was not a traditional one. Um, I worked, my first agency job probably was like four or five jobs in because I started in um, music and promotion and retail. I did big box retail, did magazine publishing, did a bunch of things that were all marketing related, but they weren't on the agency side of things. So my first agency side, my first official agency job was actually in 2013. But before that, when I worked in places like Source Media and Condé Nast, um, those departments that I worked in, the marketing departments, were run as in-house agencies. So I had a good understanding of how agency life would be. Uh, but my first agency job was 2013, uh, sorry, 2011 at um, Blue Fountain Media. Worked there for two years and then went to RGA in 2013. So that was my first big um, agency exist, um, 
experience where I worked with much larger brands at the time, um, even though I'd done some work with Nike before I got on the agency side of things. So I worked with Nike, I worked with Connie Nass before I started working with MasterCard, ARGA. And <clears throat> working with both small and large companies, I, I understood that the principles, or I soon learned that the principles were all the same. Some of the techniques were different. You could scale things in different ways because, you know, budgets allow you to scale quicker, at least in theory. But what we were doing is exactly the same every single place. And once I started to realize that, that's when I started talking about that more and trying to get people to not so much focus on the big campaigns or big activations, which are nice to do, but it's not about that. It's about the principles and the groundwork and the foundation that allows you to go ahead and make those big activations or the impactful um, activations and campaigns mean more to the people who you're trying to reach. And before we jump into the framework, because I know that's what we're going to talk about, which is super exciting, which do you think that you have enjoyed working for more or working with more, smaller brands or larger brands? And I know, having done so myself, there's a whole world of benefits in both of them, but what do you find is more interesting? Um, so I've actually found interesting um, areas in both of them, right? Mm -hmm. um, so with smaller brands, especially ones that are like, that don't even really exist yet, mm -hmm. I have a lot of fun or I find a lot of enjoyment in helping those brands grow into what they're actually going to be, right? Because a lot of times they'll have a product or a service, but they don't truly really have a brand yet, right? They have a product or service, they have a business, but no brand. So I do enjoy that part. Um, with larger brands, I actually enjoy finding new things to do with the brands mm -hmm. um, and the businesses or new ways to help the brand evolve or um, find new ways or better ways to tap into um, their customer community. Um, the kind of person I am, I do have to find that motivation um, because I like the challenge, right? I like to, I like to um, I'm a strategist, so I like to, um, you know, I like to solve puzzles, right? So, so you like problems. Puzzle. You actually yes. like problems. I like solving them. I don't know if I like okay. problems so much, but I do enjoy um, solving them. Okay. Um, so being able to find that, you mm -hmm. know, that's something that's exciting. So it's, it's usually easier with a smaller brand because they just don't have much, if anything, yet. Right. right? But it's, it's a, a good challenge to find the problem, or at least the root of the problem, mm -hmm. with a larger brand, one that's established, mm -hmm. to help them solve some of the things that they feel like they're missing. Makes sense. So going into the framework, this magic thing of framework that obviously we can't build buildings without a framework, but we oftentimes build brands and strategies and plans without necessarily putting together that foundation to build off of. How do you start when you're working with a new client? Uh, so I started at the very beginning, right? Um, marketing, the term itself is one that's used interchangeably a lot, right? And mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with marketing, but you hear it being used a bunch of different ways, it can become confusing. Um, I even argue that the way it's used just within the industry is in so many different ways that it becomes confusing. It's like, okay, what do you actually mean? What do you, you know, um, um, I read an article last week um, about companies who have been able to stop their marketing or pause their marketing because they're getting good word of mouth. But 
that's why I started at the beginning of what marketing is. And I go to the old school principles of marketing being this um, group of activities actually, you know, and, and which has four functions, right? Marketing is a function of marketing and marketing itself is to trying to figure out who it is you're trying to connect with, right? Advertising is figuring out how to craft the messages and understanding where the messages should go so that you can um, um, best connect with the people that you're trying to connect with. Promotion is actually just the action of connecting, you know, doing the work. And then public relations is everything that happens afterwards, the conversations that you have with, the, um, with your customers and your potential customers, the conversations that you have um, in customer service, the conversations you have with the press. Um, all the communication that comes out of all the work you've done is that public relations part. And starting from there is where you're um, able to really start thinking about the things that you're doing, mm -hmm. what you need to do, and how those four functions can help you reach that ultimate goal of sales all the time. So I start there. Um, I think about what a brand actually is. Um, branding is another uh, term that is thrown around a whole lot. You know, sometimes people are talking about the business itself. Sometimes they're talking about the product. Sometimes they're talking about the logo. Sometimes they're talking about the tagline. You know, there's a, it's a bunch of things, but there are a bunch of different parts that actually make up a brand, some of which are intellectual, which are the things we like to think that is the reasoning behind we buy the product or services that we buy. You know, the quality of the service and, um, you know, the, the pricing and all that fun stuff, which they do, those, those elements do matter. But we as human beings, we are run by emotion. Right, so our final, our final um, decision-making power for when we buy things is really emotional. Um, how do we connect with them? What is their story? What are they doing to connect with us? How do they feel about certain things that are going on? You know, do our um, do do the way they think about things that align with the way we think about things? Mm -hmm. We consider all these things before we make a purchase, right? It's part of the reason why word of mouth works so well because you get that cosign from someone that you know. You're like, okay, wait, you know, maybe I will try this, right? So I start with, you know, I, I, I go to that. And then I start talking about how people actually go ahead and buy and they first have to know about the product and they have to first, you know, um, do their own research and they start considering. And you know, then they, you know, they at some point they decide to try it out. They try it out. They see if they actually like it. You know, <laughs> they find out some more. They find out who else is, you know, who else likes it. Do the people who like this also all those kind of people that they kind of like. And, you know, getting into all these things that get, get back to retention marketing, which is like, okay, they bought you once. They're going to go back to you again automatically because of the brand that you've built. So when you have those kind of um, frameworks like that, you start understanding the things that you really need to know for people to go ahead and buy you once and then buy you again. Because those are the things that you want as a business. And those are the things that a lot of business people, especially those outside of marketing, focus on because they're important. However, a lot of people who are outside of marketing don't understand all of the work that goes into getting this one person to buy that product or service first. It's not just you put something out, you say it's good and people buy. That's not how things work. No, it never has been. You, you yeah. can't just post something up there and then people flock over and purchase and it's done deal. Um, not in the beginning. If you if you build up a brand that's good enough, yes, you can. But not everyone can be Air Jordan, so 
Well, Air know, Jordan couldn't was, be Air Jordan either until he actually made a few uh, net goals there. So he exactly. established his brand. So that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. I want you to know, for all of our listeners, if you're not watching this on video, so Gary not only is a Yankees fan and he's, he has his hat on, he even came prepared as the brand artist with a shirt that says his brand. Like this is a man who breathes brands <laughs> yes yes this is my um one of my favorite um Brandegee versus the industry uh t-shirts because you um, um you know part of the reason why um i the company's called the brandarchist um and i have to thank someone who actually came with the term brandarchy or at least the first place that i heard it um her name is parissa um started in a twitter chat called brand chat um the the moderator wasn't there that day because it was like a fifth Wednesday. The moderator, um, um, Maria Elena Duron, is incredible. She, her her um, schedule is amazing, but she scheduled you know, brand shots for four Wednesdays in a month. And every once in a while, there's that fifth Wednesday, but she doesn't have anything for that. So we were all there, uh, a bunch of us who are you know, normally in the chat. Ready! <laughs> we're ready. We're like, where's Maria? What what do we do now? We don't know. Um, and Priscilla was like, oh, it looks like brand key. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Um, can, can, can I have that? I like that. She's like, it's yours. Um, and it's, it's all about the idea of going against the status quo. You know, it's all about the idea of figuring out more effective ways to do things, better ways to connect with your customers, because when you connect with them, it's easier to sell to them. Not when you just yell at them all day, talk to them. There's actually a connection there. It makes it a whole lot easier. So put in the work to make a connection makes the sales a lot easier. Now, when you're mentioning, you said marketing, you said advertising, you said promotions, and you said PR. Uh -huh. Where do you think it needs to start? Does it start at the marketing level and then move to advertising, move to promotion, move to PR? Or is it something that can move around where it's not following a set uh, guideline of one to the other, to the other, to the other next? Right. Well, it, it has to be some, um, it, it, it has to be mostly linear. Mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult to sell to people if you don't know who it is that you're trying to sell, because once again, it's really about making the connection, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to connect to someone who you don't understand, who you don't know, mm -hmm. right? The shotgun approach, it can be effective, but it's never optimal right. or it's very rarely optimal. You know, maybe you'll catch a few people. Cool. But what can you do to kind of become more focused on the people who actually want to hear from you, who want to connect with you, instead of wasting the money on all the people who really don't care? So understanding who you're talking to first, very important. Um, understanding what you need to say, how you need to say it, and where you need to say it, the advertising part, mm -hmm. also extremely important, especially now in these days where content is everything. You know, um, the world is run by run on content, run by content, right? It's not even necessarily just now. I mean, we're we're seeing it now because everyone is pretty much like at home, so content is even um, more top of mind. Yeah. But the way we communicate, we communicate through stories, we communicate through pictures, we communicate we communicate through words, we communicate through video. All these things are content, so these things are necessary, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding how, what, why, where, mm -hmm. another form of connection. Mm -hmm. 
going and doing it, then, you know, it, it's kind of hard to sell something if you don't try to sell it. That's right? true. You know, so once you figured out all the things you need to do, then you go ahead and sell it. And then after that, the, the conversations out there, you might be able to push more towards PR or maybe more of your um, more of your focus or more of your attention goes on to the public relations at that point. But you still want to make sure that you are understanding the people who you're trying to sell to. Who are the new people coming into your market? Who are the people who might be exiting your market? Why are they exiting your market? Are they just aging out? Is there something that you're not um, helping to fulfill? Why? You're still doing all four uh, functions. But the weight of which you're doing things can change over time. But you always got to start with who. Makes sense. So what is the next step when you're working with a client? So you've figured out the marketing, the advertising, the promotion, PR. It's done, which we all know it's not done ever. It's always being recrafted <laughs> right. and recrafted and recrafted. Right. But, version one is, is done. Yeah, version one. And by the time you get to version 1001, you might be on the right track. Right. Yeah. But what is the next step? Um, how do you work with your clients to help them along this pathway? Okay, so once we do that, once we've figured out what the brand is, then we start testing mm -hmm. it, right? Because um, the creation of a brand is a collaborative process, right? Um, I'm not one person who says that the company um, decides what the brand is. I'm not even a person who says that the customer decides what the brand is. There, if, especially if we're talking about making a connection, both sides need to agree, right? The company they initiate communications with what the brand is. The customers then in turn say, okay, well, we think it's this, or maybe we like this, 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 but we like that. And then you start having these conversations and figuring out, you start molding what this brand is actually going to be, which is also why that's also a process that doesn't stop, right? That, that continues to evolve, that continues to change. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the next thing, because once, once you start understanding what your brand is, you're starting to make the connections it's easier to refine your messaging. It's easier to um, refine your target audience. It's, it's easier to start to refine what it is. And it's easier to start thinking about the things that your customers will actually like mm -hmm. so that you can, so you can put that into your stories. You can put that into um, the way you communicate. You can put all that into your product or service, mm -hmm. right? So now we're starting to build what it is. Not only, we have one product, but what does this product mean? How does this product make people feel? What is it that's resonant about the product? And then what's resonant, what, what resonates about the company around the product? Mm -hmm. What resonates with the people who work inside the company? What resonates to the people who are outside the company? What makes people actually maybe not work for the company? What makes people want to tell their friends and family about this company? You know, so now we're starting to build the stories. We're starting to, to not necessarily make the product the hero which is kind of another old school um, idea the product of the hero the product is the thing that you're trying to sell and that you're hoping you're going to convince people to buy the customer is always the hero because the customer has the thing that you are looking for in the business they have the money right so, your product is really there to be the solution the plus of the experience that right. you are gifting and giving the opportunity for your customer to be able to Mm -hmm. You know, you are now in the service industry. You are supposed to be serving your promise to your customer. Mm -hmm. 
right? Are you doing that well? If you are, then your customers remain happy. They tell other people about it. If you're not doing the job, customer's not happy. They may still buy until they find something um, that serves their needs better, but they will definitely stop telling people about it. And if you're really bad, they'll start telling people to not buy from you. Right. So um, my next step is really to help people create the stories that make the most sense that um, start building the best connective tissue so that people will want to buy and tell other people to buy as well. And then when you get there, what's that next step? Um, that's when I bring in friends who know how to do wonderful um, artwork and video work and copywriting because I'm the strategy person. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can do th those other things. I've done them before. Um, I've done them historically pretty well, but I also know people who do it way Really well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'd rather bring them in because if I'm part of the process, I always want the best people around, right? And I don't have the type of ego that says, oh, well, I do this one thing, so I need to do everything else. Right. My purpose is to help you plan, come up with the best plan possible, and then either get the people that you have, because you might also have the best people mm -hmm. to do all of the artistic, all the outward um, communications, the stuff that everyone sees and everyone can touch. You might help those people in the house. If so, great. If you need help with that stuff, I know people who can help. You know, my job is to pass this off and say, okay, here's what we know. Here's what people want. Here's also what people say they want. Um, here's the things that people care about. So now make this stuff look nice. Yeah. They can shine it up, but you're putting the foundation together. Yep that you talked about as well as the pillars that are going to support mm -hmm. everything else. Yep. I do that work and then I'm saying, okay, okay. Yep. Yes. Um, so the house should be this big. Should <clears throat> this many floors. Um, you tell me what's the best um, materials to build a house in. Um, once we have the house built or we have the plans for that being built, we start bringing the interior director decorators to come in how it's going to look as nice as possible. We all do that. I'll watch the supervisors, make sure that nothing is going too far to the left. Yeah. But otherwise, you guys do it. <laughs> Fair enough. So how can our listeners learn more about you, learn more about Brand Artist, find you online? Where should they go? Okay, sure. Well, um, the first place is my website, mm -hmm. which is simply thebrandarchist.com. Um, that's B R A. N-D-A-R-C-H-I-S-T dot com. Or you can find me on Twitter. Um, MR underscore McFly for Mr. McFly. And they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just my name, Gary Janix. Um, it should come up in search pretty easily. Um, it does. And, yeah. well, I found you that way. Good. And um, on LinkedIn and also on, on my website, I... I do a lot of uh, posts about things that I'm seeing happening in the industry, mm -hmm. ways I think that the industry um, can improve, um, also ways that I think certain parts or certain things that are happening, why they're good, why they're bad, mm -hmm. and how that can help other people. Okay, awesome. Any last 
parting words of advice to our listeners of what they should be keeping in mind when they are working on their own planning for marketing and advertising and promotions and PR? Yes. Um, the biggest thing to remember is it's about the people, right? Um, one of the things that really got me into thinking about um, Brandarchy as a thing was about six, seven, maybe eight years ago, there was a conversation about brand loyalty and people not being loyal to brands anymore. And it felt like it was being couched in the old school brand loyalty on how customers were loyal to brands um, for a very long time when the balance of communication was different, when the scale of the conversation was heavily skewed towards the, the advertisers right, because they had the money to put these widespread messages out. And as social media became a thing, most tables even very quickly. And then people were apparently no, no longer loyal to their brand, to brands. When the way things are supposed to be looked at is because you're doing, you're supposed to be serving people. Any brand loyalty starts from the brand's standpoint first. Are you fulfilling the promises that you are putting out there? That's the first part of loyalty, showing loyalty yourself. Mm -hmm. right? If you do a good job, the loyalty will come back to you. So remembering everything, this is about the people. The people who have the money that you're looking for, you're supposed to be um, serving the people for your product or service. Make sure that you're doing that and understanding where you are, where you fit in kind of like that consumer journey. You know, if people don't know about you like that. Don't expect huge spikes in sales. People have to get to know you. They have to become more um, comfortable with you before they start giving you their money. Mm -hmm. I can't think off the top of my head of any product or service that doesn't exist already. Right, so no matter how good your product or service may be, or you may think it is, you have competition, right? So not, it's not only about what differentiates your product or service from your competition, it's what differentiates you from the way you treat the people who either are or will be your customers as opposed to your competition. You need both. So focus on the people and making better connections. Because when you make the best connections possible, you'll have people do the work for you. You know, example, Peloton. Right now, and that's really, that was, um, that was the subject of the article where I, that I read where they paused or stopped marketing. They didn't pause or stop marketing. They paused some of their ad spend because they didn't need it, right? Right. You had a certain situation where advertising may not be as um, effective, at least in the way you know, that it once was. And you also have people who are just like, okay, I need to do something in my house. I need to exercise, let me buy this product. So you don't have to advertise as much because the work that they put in before had their brand top of mind already, yeah. right? They've been able to fulfill um, a promise they have people talking good about them already. Mm -hmm. So they didn't stop um, marketing. 
they pause the media spend mm -hmm. and put their concentration on other parts of marketing. Yeah. You know, they put their they put more concentration on public relations. They put more, um, at least I hope in theory, they're putting more concentration on get a, a better understanding of the people who have already bought their product, the new people who are buying their product, how they can help fill their needs even better. Yeah. Right. Right now is so, a really good time to be mm -hmm. a Peloton, a Bowflex, a, any of those, because they're sold out. We have clients within the space that we work with, like Bowflex, and mm -hmm. they ran out of inventory because the demand was so incredibly high. So you're right, they pulled back advertising, they looked at other ways that they could leverage and be smart to continue at least their marketing efforts and keep mm -hmm. awareness high, but that's a great position to be able to be in. Right. You know, so once you're able to do that, you make sure you do it, right? But you don't stop. Yeah. You continue to do the things because once again, the more you learn about the people, the better you're able to serve them. So continue to do that all the time. That's make it about the people. Always make it about the people. You'll be in a great position. Well, and then to add to that, if you stop, someone else is going to be there to start taking your market share. Absolutely. Don't <laughs> open the door for your competition. Yeah. For what? There's really interesting studies and articles that show that, you know, obviously COVID right now is, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. We've never experienced anything like this, but mm -hmm. we have had times of economic downturns. So if you're yep. looking at the 2007, 2008 time period, if you're going back further into World War II, if you're looking at um, the depression, whatever you want to look at, if you look at brands that actually doubled down and continued advertising during those times and marketing, they came out stronger. And the brands who, even if they were big at that time, when they stopped, their littler guys came up right there and they took over. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a really interesting fact that is based on fact. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. once again, it's about connecting, right? Yeah. So if you're not communicating, if you're not touching base, if you're not staying in contact with people, someone else will. Yeah. And you lose a connection, right? Yeah. You got to keep, keep the connection going. Now you have to understand where you fit. You know, you don't just say, you know, don't just uh, run around necessarily saying, oh, buy my $2,000 bike. Because that could be like, wait, what? Why? But if you're there and saying, this is what the experience is, and if you're able to do so, like you just put it up and like, look, we're here for you. We, you know, this is what we have. We're figuring out new ways to, to help everyone. Being able to do that, keeping that connection yeah. is an imperative, right? It's a constant because once you lose the connection, it becomes even harder than the first time to reconnect. Gary, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners gained a lot of insights and knowledge from your advice and your experience. Thank you so much, Stacey. It was really just wonderful being uh, here with you. And um, yes, people, feel free to just um, reach out to me and um, continue the conversation. Perfect. Well, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you on our next podcast.